everyone. We are back with another episode of Senior Style Guys Real Talk Podcast. I am Sean Brown, and I'll be hosting this episode once again with Nate Grahek. If you guys don't know Nate, you probably know his product that he created, which is sticky albums or sticky folios or sticky emails, whatever sticky product you guys are using as a marketing tool in your business. Nate is the person behind that all. He is the creator and founder of Sticky Albums, which is one of my go-to marketing tools and for photographers from throughout the country, and really is something that he innovated in a way to add into his own business and thus grew for other photographers, which I think the, the most useful and beneficial products are those that start as tools that photographers use in their own business and want to share with the world. And I think that Nate has done that for sticky emails and sticky albums and all of that. Nate really dives in in this episode into the concept of fear and what do we hide behind as a business owner and a photographer and how can we take it head on to not only be a better photographer, but a better business owner and a better person. I'm super excited to bring you guys this episode. I think that we really dive into a few key crucial concepts that every photographer, regardless of your genre, should really be embracing and talking about assets and talking about fear and just going head on and not really overthinking things. So without further ado, let's dive into this episode and cannot wait to bring you guys this episode from Nate. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Real Talk. I am Sean Brown and I am super excited to have Nate Grahek on today, who is the founder of Sticky Albums. So you guys have probably used his amazing, awesome product, one of the um, marketing tools that I use in my business and to really just kind of give the seniors an elevated experience with custom mobile apps who, and Nate is just a a wealth of of knowledge and, and resources for you guys. So I'm super pumped to have him on here today. So first off, welcome to Real Talk and thank you for joining us. Wow, Sean, it's an honor to be here. I really appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for what you're doing. I think that uh, it's so fun to see photographers like yourself who are, I mean, I've spent some time on your site and looked at your work and your marketing and it's it's blowing me away. And I love it It, when it, it helps us all do better when people like you take a moment out of your busy schedule to, to help others and to help bring, to kind of rise all ships, right? So thanks. It's an honor to be here and thank you as well. Well, thank you for taking the time. I know you're just as busy as we all are. So uh, first off, for those, uh, for those individuals who might not know you, kind of give a little bit of background about yourself, how you got started, what maybe led you to even founding Sticky Albums, because it's a little bit of a departure than other photographers are like building a huge custom mobile app. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... It's, it's humbling because I see um, what it means to, to be a, a, a really successful photographer now, um, the amount of energy and the, the vulnerability I think that it requires. We'll talk a little bit about that later. I'm just, I think it really is putting yourself out there as a business owner and say, yes, I am this thing, especially if it's your full time or you really want to make money at it. To be totally honest, I was, I was doing portrait photography about uh, seven to 10 years ago, I started um, just for fun and, and as an excuse to buy more gear, right? My, my friends and family said, oh my gosh, Nate, your pictures are great. The pictures of your kids are so cool. You should take other people's kids' pictures and, and charge for it. And I was like, oh, maybe that's a way for me to get that new lens I'm yeah. <laughs> going after, right? Um, 
I never had to rely on paying the bills with, with that, uh, with photography. So I, I, in the last six years, I've developed a huge respect for those of you that do and a passion to help you guys do it better. Um, because I know the whole landscape has changed so quickly and it continues to change quickly. I'm really passionate about helping people, um, I think achieve their dreams and do work that is meaningful and, and enjoyable. Cause I think we all spend too much time at work to not enjoy it. Um, so anyway, how did I come up with sticky albums? I was trying to grow my portrait business. I was creating custom business cards, which I still think is a pretty decent tactic. If you get those custom business cards, I would put the, I do like a, a run of 30 yeah. kind of like moo.com or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And put the client's face on their own cards with my contact info on the back. Uh, I think you get those in the right person's hands, typically the parents. Um, it can be pretty, it, it can work, right? But I was noticing it was really inconsistent. I didn't understand why it was and why it wasn't. And it, uh, in the meantime, in my day job, I was figuring out how to put training content onto mobile devices. The iPad had just came out and everybody says, we need to put everything on iPads. And I, but, but not in the app store. We don't have patience to deal with the app store. I was like, well, okay. So I kind of taught myself um, a lot of web HTML web development. Um, well, I think the first thing to people who don't know about sticky albums is it's, it lets you make app like things, but there's no messing with any app store. They work beautifully on big screen computers, um, as well as all different types of devices. So anyway, back to how I came up with it. I said to my cousin, she was a high school senior. She's like, Nate, thanks for this card but I don't think my friends want this. I don't think my friends are going to like put this in their pocket. They're probably just going to toss in the trash. <laughs> it was that, that real talk, true, but right? like, like talk about real talk. Like I was like, wow, thank you for finally somebody like being honest with me. I was wondering why this wasn't working. And in that same moment, I just had that one of those classic light bulbs. Like what if I put your pictures, like a handful of your best ones in a little online app gallery I could put your face on your own app icon and you would save offline. And then the, my contact info would be in there too. Is that something you think would be cool? And she's like, well, yeah, duh, of course it would. <laughs> so I did it for, to be honest, just a handful of my portrait clients before I realized that I wanted to bring this to other photographers. Um, I, it was, I, I gave it, I made like 10 of them for my portrait clients. And I was like, never mind. Sorry. Hold on. <laughs> I don't have time to do portraits right now. I've got to build a software company. Um, and we've grown to now, um, over 7,000 photographers around the world, yeah. um, making millions of custom apps for their, their clients. It's pretty fun. Not millions. They've gotten millions of views. I think we've got just under a million apps created. That's uh, incredible. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Well, I think I speak for all photographers when we say thank you, because I wouldn't know the first place to start with HTML coding. If I had to do it myself, I probably would not get anywhere in my business, and that would be all the time spent. So thank you for taking on that hurdle for all of us. Of course. I think it's a good lesson in, like, just because you can doesn't mean you should, right? A lot of people can do HTML. They figured it out. And my first, I was a trainer, right? My first idea, think, really, I'll pass the thanks on to my neighbor, who is a developer, I, my first idea was like, dude, check this out. Look at how good it works. I'm going to make video training and I'm going to teach people how to code these themselves. And he's like, uh, well, okay, I guess a handful of photographers are going to want to do that, but isn't their time better spent doing other things? I was like, 
yeah, I suppose. <laughs> He's like, well, you can make an app that just does all of that for them. I was like, oh, I could do that? And the rest is history, really. Well, awesome. And so I guess kind of like what gave, I guess you kind of went into the inspiration, but when starting Sticky Albums, what hurdles did you maybe face that photographers might see in their, in their own business getting started? Because really building businesses is kind of the framework is, is similar in a, in, a, in a regard. So kind of what did you learn from Sticky Albums that maybe photographers can apply to their business maybe totally. that are stuck in a rut or whatnot? Yeah, I think throughout... I want to, I want to really do a lot of respect. I want to, let's go straight to like some of the issues in our industry that I see. Um, there's a lot of like, it's, it's delicate having photographers sell information, sell products to other photographers. Right. I think there's some that, that kind of abuse that, that role and they just go all in to just trying to make as much money as they can and not really caring so much about the people they serve. Um, I, have had in the last six years, a really interesting perspective uh, across the, the all different niches, across all different regions of the world, really about different things that are working, things that aren't. Um, I, I take a lot of time to have one-on-one -on -one coaching calls with photographers throughout the, the world. And so while I'm not running my own portrait business, I am running my own small business. We have uh, now nine employees. I have my own marketing challenges, my own challenges, making payroll and all of that that any business would have. And so I just want to be upfront with what, where my perspective comes in and where I have huge respect for the day-to-day -day grind that can be running a portrait studio. Um, so some of the lessons learned, let's, I think that why well, I was so excited to be on your show, um, I've noticed, I've been doing a lot of tactical um, marketing podcasts and web and, and training about here's the nuts and bolts to, to, to booking more clients online. And all of that is awesome. But I keep realizing that there's something else happening here that until you kind of get your head right, until you get your mindset right about your business, about your attitude, about your, your potential, um, a lot of the other tactical things don't matter, right? We've got to get some other foundational things, right? Um, is, is that, is that kind of what you want to talk about? Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things is uh, Nate and I kind of were bouncing ideas in what direction we wanted to take this real talk. And um, I love kind of the direction that Nate wanted to take it. And I think it's perfect for real talk. So we'll kind of go into that. But um, one of the things you brought up was the concept of where do we hide as photographers and, and why do we hide or, or what do we hide behind? So kind of yeah. give us a little bit of insight into that and maybe what your, your philosophy behind that all. Mm -hmm. I think that um, it's always more effective to start with yourself, right? I can, I'll mention what I see happening in others, but I'll, I'll be authentic and just take my vulnerable, put my vulnerability out there is where do I hide, right? And I think I hide in the, um, the things that I'm nervous about working. If I really put myself out there about a new product, a new tactic, a new idea, and I'm like, oh gosh, who am I? There's this thing you got, there's a book called the imposter syndrome. Like who am I to think that this, I've, I've got this figured out or yeah. I'm good at this thing. Right. And then I, I find myself wasting time on Facebook, getting involved in the dramas and the debates of different tactics. And, and I tinker with like gear. I go buy a bunch of camera gear and like, Oh, I know when I get this one camera slider, then I'll be ready to teach that thing. <laughs> it's like, if I do this thing, then I'll be ready. And what, 
it, it's coming to that acknowledgement. Okay, Nate, you're hiding again. What is the thing I'm hiding from? Is it, is it doing a training? Is it a project? Is it a conversation with somebody that I'm hiding like a really difficult conversation with an employee or with a customer uh, that I'm, that I'm hiding from. And it's just being honest about that. And I see that in myself. And then I, now I also see it in other photographers where I think the, one of the simplest ways I see it is we hide in, we want more business, but we sit in front of our computer and try to tinker with our website. Like, like we make this one more change. If I get these images, right. If I get these portfolio images better, um, if I get this page created the right way, then I'm going to start booking more clients. Um, or I'm going to run some Facebook ads. Or I'm going to start doing the social media thing. I'm going to try to book clients that way. And it's hiding from the, the real risk, I believe, to this day, separate from all of the tactics I've created with, with my software, is getting out of the building and meeting other business owners. Going out and just talking to people and figuring out how you can help them. That's really scary. It's really vulnerable. Um, it's nerve wracking. It's, it's like, are we going to get rejected? I've tried that. I get a lot of people saying, well, I've tried that. I go in and I say, Hey, I'm a new photographer in town. Can I be on your preferred vendors list? It's like, well, of course you're going to get a no to that. Mm -hmm. But when we really come from a place of confidence of, of generosity, it's amazing what doors will open for you when, um, I think that if we get, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm both, uh, sensitive and um, I, I think I want to go straight at it that this nervousness of well I got to make the I have to make money this month I don't have the patience to go build a relationship and a partnership with somebody I understand that and I think that there's certain things you can do to um, to make some money in the short term but it's sometimes a lot of times when they're not long-term effective tactics it keeps you locked in that in that hamster wheel right if you're always doing the the short term i'm going to do a sale i'm going to do this thing it's quick quick tactic it leaves you like empty at the end of the month you've got to start all over again whereas if you if you find the energy to start investing in the future like i always say the bet the most productive people find ways to to do their future selves a favor yeah right and so, okay, how do you go out and build a relationship with another small business owner that you can do a marketing partnership with um, or an event with, or you can just help them, right? With their own marketing. I think it's such an interesting way to think about, about partnerships, but I think we hide from that stuff because it's scary. So that's, that's the first place I see the way I see people hide and what I think they're hiding from. I love it. And I want to dissect kind of two aspects of it where you touched on it a little bit, but I think it's so important that as photographers or small business owners, I think you really have to, you have to be realistic with yourself. And I think you have to be honest with yourself. And I think that a lot of photographers don't necessarily want to go that route. They think that um, by, by shielding that from themselves and others, that maybe they'll overcome that in a way. But I don't think that you really can overcome your obstacles or your hurdles until you're honest with yourself and, and know how to actually attack those. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the second thing is, is when you said coming from a place of generosity where it almost boils down to, if you're coming all about it from yourself, like people aren't going to be as receptive to helping you out and wanting to form those partnerships as if you come at it from a place of how can I help you in your business? What can I give you? What can I offer you? 
And I think it's just a much more effective tactic. And it's not even a tactic. I think it's just coming from a place of, of goodwill. And I think you have to be genuine and authentic with how you go about it. But I think that that's a tremendous, a tremendous point of view to come from is as a small business owner and just kind of in life in general as well. Totally. Yeah. I think it's, it's a lot more fun to be connected to your community and to be connected to other business owners. I think that one of the things as a new business owner that I struggled with um, is it's isolating. Yeah. It, it, to be a, a, a solo entrepreneur can be really lonely and your friends, your family, they don't understand the way we stay up at night, the way we never, it never turns off the way we're always we're laying in bed at, at, before we go to sleep at night. And when we wake up in the morning, we're thinking about our business. Right. And a lot of people can't relate to it. Um, but guess who can other business owners, it doesn't matter what industry they're in. You can connect on a really quick, interesting way when you show that you, you care about them as a business owner and like, Hey, let's help each other out. We're both in this together in our community. What marketing is working for you? What isn't? What, what hiring strategies are working for you? What isn't? That's, it's a very, um, I think that I see a lot of entrepreneurs burn out if they don't create that network, that network of support with other, um, other business owners. And, and I think that that's something that's so crucial that um, a lot of photographers don't necessarily recognize until it's, it's almost too late. Yep. And that's one of the things, especially with like Vicky and the push conference or other conferences that are around it's so important. I think, I mean, there's great uh, advantages to doing online or um, self-paced courses and whatnot on the internet, but until you really get in front of those other individuals and make those face-to-face -face connections, that's, I think, when, when your business and in your personal network really starts to explode because you can only go so far on <laughs> from, from screen to screen. Totally. Yeah, I think if we were to prioritize stuff, I'd absolutely go to an in-person concert, uh, con um, conference Conferences or concerts, whichever, uh, <laughs> I love it. Conference with, with other photographers in your niche. I think that will be life changing and transcendent, right? And you can't, you can only do one or two of those a year. What I, I also think is vital to your just month to month health is finding, finding a place at least monthly to network and connect with a local business owner even outside of the portrait industry so that you can just talk, just connect on the business owner mindset. It helps. I think it helps improve your business mind as artists. I know it's tricky. We've got to balance being artists and polishing our craft as artists with also learning how to be better business owners as well. And I think that it kind of comes down to looking outside your network regardless, um, whether that is how you are looking to brand your business, uh, maybe a different marketing strategy. I think that looking within your niche is very limiting. And I think that the photographers are really successful always kind of look outside their, their area of expertise because that's where you draw new ideas from. That's where your inspiration comes from. Right on. Yeah. Um, to, to wrap up the thing about fear, um, I think that I, I'm a huge fan of Seth Godin. I'm always quoting his books. Uh, I think it's in Lynch, his book, Lynchpin, he talks about how, and all over, there's, if you are not familiar with the concept of like the lizard brain and the big brain or the small brain and the big brain, there's all, writers talk about this stuff all the time in my, in my business books I read. Um, I really suggest taking the time to understand it where they're, like our, our small brain or our lizard brain is the part that has been around evolutionarily speaking forever. 
It's really good at keeping us alive. <laughs> and the problem- The, the fight or flight, basically. Exactly, yep, exactly. So like, it's the tiny like brainstem part that controls like emotion. And, and like, I think the way I like to explain it is, um, if we were to jump out in front of a bus, our body would move before the bigger part of our brain, which is really um, smart and good at long-term planning, but it's terribly slow. If it was up to this part of our, the bigger part of our brain to get us out of the way of the bus, it would be too late and we'd die. So each part of our brain is really good at doing different things. But what happens is the, 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 the lizard brain is so, um, it's, like, it's like the first thing in charge of decision-making. And so if we don't slow things down, if we're not checking ourselves, it can control our lives. And mean, what I mean by that is when you sit and imagine, okay, I want to go ask this person out for coffee. I want to go into this other person's business and talk to them. It's really easy for the lizard brain to hijack that and think of a thousand reasons why that's a bad idea and why you're going to fail. And what, what's really bizarre until you really uh, kind of discipline your mind is we will perceive a, um, or the lizard brain perceives a social threat, like social ostracization or social embarrassment the same way it experiences physical threat, like a, a, like a lion <laughs> or a bus yeah. bearing down on us in, in that moment, right? And it, it, I like, you can tell I'm, I'm going to geek out just one more time <laughs> about like our evolution. If you think about it, if, you, if back in the day when we were li lived in like caves <laughs> or in these small communities, if you were socially ostracized, that actually could impact your survival. Like if you were kicked out of the tribe, and you had to go survive on your own somewhere, that could mean the end of you, right? And so we have that kind of ingrain in our, where we're afraid, really, really afraid to be embarrassed. And I think that the way to overcome it, I always ask myself um, what and why questions. And, and it's a really good habit to get into because what it does is it triggers the blood to go back to the big brain and think long-term. Like, okay, what am I really afraid of? What's the worst that could happen? Uh, why am, what am I really afraid? Why am I afraid of this? When, when really, I've not, I have nothing to lose. But realistically, this person's gonna, if, as long as I go in there genuinely, and if they're, if they're too busy, if they say no to me, it actually has nothing to do with me. It's probably just about something going on in their life. So, okay, what, I have nothing to lose. I'm going to go ask this person for help. Um, and, and it's just being conscious of our tendency to, to where fear can some, we, we oftentimes the knee jerk reaction is to go away from the things we fear. But in Seth Godin's book, he talks about how important it is to go into your fear, to dance with it. I, I use fear now as a guide of like, um, I think early on in my career, I do my to, my to do list and it's as tricky as creatives. Cause I think we're all really good at starting things, but not finishing them. <laughs> I'd have my to do thing to do list. And I would just be like, what feels fun today? Like, what, what do I want to work on, right? Because as creatives, that's fun to do. But instead, I've learned to use, if there's anything that I'm afraid of, if there's a, a hard conversation I need to have with an employee or a customer or something I need to build that I know I've been putting off for a while, I prioritize that first. I go into the thing that I'm afraid of, and it's always paid off. Um, so that's, that's Seth Godin stuff. Dance with your fear. All right. Um, I'll end with, um, I love Sue Bryce's, um,
quote. It's resonated with me for a long time. I think she did it on a creative live probably four years ago. She said, I'm not here to compete. I'm here to create. And I, I, what I want to remind people of is we get really nervous and stressed out about our losing to our competition. If you find another place I, I see photographers hide is they just scour other photographers' websites. I think there's a balance. On one hand, you can get inspiration, inspiration. and you can learn a little bit from what other photographers are doing in your, in your industry. But I think you've got to be really careful that it doesn't become something that's holding you back. And it, at the risk of getting almost tactical, I want you guys to think about of all of the traffic on your website, of all of the people that are coming to you, you, I would argue that you are losing little to none of the, those visitors to your competition. We are losing vastly more business to, to potential customers who decide to not hire somebody at all, right? I think that the bigger picture is we're all in this together. We're all in this to convince people to hire a professional photographer. And it takes a lot of energy and a lot of patience and education. And think about it where the, the, the real challenge is just how do I become a better educator and teacher and communicator with my perfect client? And because I get, when I get better at that, more of them are going to decide to hire a photographer. And then more of those are, of course, going to choose me. Instead of this coming from a place of fear that, well, um, I can't get anything right. Everybody's copying me, copying my style, or what do I, I don't know what my own style should be. Like that, that's just going to get in your way. Yeah, and, and going off of that, it took me several years before I realized that those photographers that are shoot and burn photographers, I'm not doing them any favors by turning a cold shoulder to them or mm -hmm. when they're asking for educational advice or, or help on, say, like a, a forum or whatnot. Because mm -hmm. those photographers, well, they're not necessarily giving that same experience, but if you educate them to, and you give a little bit to them, tell them kind of, well, this is how you can raise your prices and still book clients successfully. That just raises the level that clients expect. And I think it just, I look at it as more of a motivational push more than anything. Um, because I mean, they look at websites and they say, oh, wow, this photographer is $5,000 and this one is 500 and they'll give me the exact same thing, digital images or whatever it is. Totally. It just doesn't do the, the industry any favors as a whole. It, it just lowers the bar. So I think that that is a tremendous takeaway where it's that's that going back to that quote is I'm here to, I'm, I'm here to create, not compete. Totally. I love it. It's so sweet. Um, so let's, let's transition to one more um, kind of lesson I've learned along the way as a business owner. I know a lot of us have probably heard of the book or not, or read uh, rich dad, poor dad. And I read this, a long time ago, and I think the the key takeaway for me, even in my 20s when I read it, is they just tell the, the, the contrast between a dad, I think, that is good with money and a dad that isn't, and what happens, right? Um, and what, what the difference was is somebody who has assets. And when I first read it, I always thought to myself, oh, someday I want to have an asset. That sounds cool. <laughs> I want a thing that makes me money while I sleep, right? How, what, is, what are assets? Their businesses, their, um, their investments, their savings accounts, there's like retirement accounts, all of those things are assets, right? Um, what I like, it, 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 and then um, what I've learned in the last couple years 
is we can get even more granular with what we think about as assets. And, and if our website is an asset, right? It's Absolutely. something that you've put a bunch of energy into building and then it gives you something in return without you having to constantly feed it. And that I think is incredibly powerful. We get stuck in this rat race, in this hamster wheel of thinking that because we're so busy, we're being productive. Like, oh, I don't have time for that on time. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I gotta, I gotta do this shoot. I gotta call this person back. I gotta edit these photos. I've gotta do this, this, this. Um, and I think one of the last things, Sean, I'm curious, do you do all of your own editing still? Surprisingly, I do. I am I do. beginning to outsource this year, however. <laughs> it's a big step, right? Yeah. Uh, let's dig into that. Like what, what was, what's the hesitation for you? Is it a control thing? What are you nervous about? Yeah, I think the biggest thing was that I had to overcome the, the notion that I wasn't giving my clients my art or my vision and that it was lending, basically lending it to whoever had ultimate control of the, that mm -hmm. final creative step. So um, for some of the creative shoots, I'll, I'll still do the editing, but for shoots where I can kind of, I guess, establish a formula or a thought process behind mm -hmm. why am I doing this and, and be able to hand it to somebody else who is going to be able to do that at a much higher rate than I ever could mm -hmm. um, in terms of t turnaround times and just saving my sanity. Um, yeah. I think the biggest thing was just overcoming that it, it's still my photography. I yep. just might not be involved in the entire process. Yeah, I, I think it's, I'm not going to, pretend like it's an easy thing to do. I think delegating something that we enjoy, delegating that's an something that's an expression of our art, um, all of those, that's, that, those are like the hardest things to delegate and to, to outsource, right? I, I get that it's hard. And what I've learned over time is we need to, there's one of the business coaches I've hired, I, I read this quote or this concept that he said, we, all, we get stuck thinking in like an hourly mindset where whether we've at one time had hourly rates, uh, jobs, or even when we get salaried, a lot of us will kind of do the math backwards and think about, well, I'm okay. That means I'm getting $30 an hour. And when I transition to photography and I do all my hours, that means I'm getting this many. It, I think that that exercise is good. If you need to raise your prices, <laughs> you should be like at the end of the day, look at, okay, if I made this much profit this year, that means that I only made this much an hour. Yeah. What do, I, what do I need to do to be more productive? Right. Um, another way to think about it. And I think what I've learned is how, how do I be more productive is to, to imagine that my time is worth a thousand dollars an hour. <clears throat> that sounds for a Minnesotan like myself, <laughs> it's like really polite and about like, Oh my gosh, don't say that out loud. Who, who are you to think you're worth so much money? Right. That's not what this is about. And it's not something you need to like go about having a chip on your shoulder. It's about realizing that your time is your most valuable asset, right? And that you need to find tasks that are like $10 an hour tasks that you can give to other people. Yep. So that you are doing the only the things in your business that you do really, really well. And it starts gradual with hiring an accountant, a bookkeeper, um, uh, maybe a, a, a studio manager or something, somebody to manage your schedule. But these little things that can then grow into more. Um, but I think that coming back to I'm melding these different concepts together, um, this idea that you, uh, 
something you can create as an asset, right? So um, one of the things I'm really excited about launching this year is sticky email, which is going to let photographers create like an, uh, an offer for an email course. So like seven tips to taking better pictures with your smartphone, right? Basically a lead magnet. Bingo. Exactly. So that takes time, right? You've got a really awesome one on your website. That's like tips to how to hire a, a wedding photographer that guide you made that took you probably several hours. And I'll just, let's just say eight hours, right? To create it and make it look awesome. What's so great. If we compare the eight hours you spent building that PDF versus eight hours you spend editing one shoot. What's the difference, right? That, that guide, it keeps giving back to your business. Every time somebody visits your website, every time somebody downloads that and reads it, it costs you nothing in money or time, but it's giving value to your business. Exactly. And that's exactly what I was going to touch on is that it's, it's the difference between providing um, a service at its most fundamental level, editing, versus something that provides tremendous value to an individual, whether that be educational value. Um, I guess the, the, what value boils down to is either like educational, entertainment, or, or something that they um, can, can help them and, and speed up maybe their, their workflow or their time, basically gives them time. I think mm -hmm. you can kind of boil value down to those three. Yeah. And that's kind of basically what it sounds like you're doing with sticky emails is giving photographers the tool to be able to do that with their clients. I think that um, there's, there's a lot of things. I like, I like how you break down value. That's part of it for sure. I think the, the way I like to talk about why email and why your lead magnet you're doing is so valuable is that um, people, the most of the traffic on your website is not ready to book you yet. And I think that's a hard thing for people to realize. It was hard for me. I'd look at all my traffic stats and go, whoa, I got a thousand visitors this week or this month. How come I only got, I didn't get any calls. I didn't get any emails. Like a thousand people hate my work. What's wrong with me? And we can get stuck in this negativity when I realize, no, most visitors are there just to check out your work or to check out a friend's pictures. They're not necessarily there to hire. But if our website is only oriented to booking a session, or even to inquire, like sometimes the longer forms, people don't have the patience or the time. No, I don't need to inquire yet. I'll come back later. Well, guess what? They never do. But when you offer something smaller, like, hey, do you want a guide to, 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 that helps you figure out a framework you can use to choose a, a photographer that's right for you? Whoa, that's so much easier to, for them to say yes to. It's easier for them to say yes to here's my email address give me that thing I want than it is to like, Hey, I to call you or to schedule a session. That's a much bigger commitment. Right? So a lot of times, um, email, I believe is the, it's a really, really good way to let potential clients get to know you first. It's the same way, like in a relationship, you've got to date a little bit before you uh, get married. Yeah. It's the same analogy with, with, uh, with our clients. Right. Um, yeah, so absolutely. back to just to, to kind of wrap up assets, it's, those types of projects, I really, I think the best business owners I know are able to carve out time in their day where they're building assets, where they're building a thing that is going to give back to their business. And as photographers, as service providers, you ha we happen to be in a business where your revenue is directly tied to the, sh the number of shoots that you have, right? So creating that cycle is important. But then as you, you realize 
there's a, a very quick limit to how much you can make, right? You can only have so many clients in your business until you start to delegate projects. Yep. Because there's the, the, let's just say every session takes two hours, right? On, on session. That's the part that is always going to be a one-to-one. You're always going to need to be there probably for the prep, for the, the, just getting things ready, and then for the live session. Now, Matt, now think about all of the hours that you need to put in after that. And is it six hours? Is it eight hours? Or is it two hours? What is it, right? And how can you streamline it with good processes and good workflow, number one? How can you automate things with some software? And then finally, what are some of those things you can delegate to another person for $10 or $20 an hour because the only way you're gonna grow your business is if you find ways to do that. Otherwise, you're instantly just gonna burn yourself out as you, I think everybody um, says, oh Nate, I need help with more customers, I need more customers, all that like, well, for some of you, if you tomorrow got 50 more customers consistently, I think your business would fall apart, it'd implode because you don't have the processes or the workflow to handle more customers yet, right? Yeah, you have an upper limit that once you hit that, it's kind of, you can, basically I think of it as a graph where you can you can keep going, but eventually you're gonna plateau unless you have those infrastructures in place to handle the increased workload of kind of outsourcing or maybe hiring an associate or whatnot. I think there are those, mm-hmm. those um, in, infrastructures that you can put in place to, to help that, but until you put those in place, you really can't. Yeah. Um, and kind of going back to the, the assets thing is, um, one of the things you you mention is that you have to to find ways to to put these projects or these assets um, and get the get those completed and finished. But how do you determine like the the return on investment or what you're going to get out of that? Is it maybe it's a gut feeling or or maybe it's just something that you innately know? Um, I think that it's you, sometimes you don't know, right? I think you don't necessarily know if it's going to, but I think you, what we can what we can know in the moment is, is this a project that I know has zero future ROI? That's like, like doing the bills. Like I, this is it. Like, yeah, it's got to get done, but this is not going to give back to my business anytime soon or ever again. Or there's other things like, like sweeping, <laughs> sweeping the floor. I'm just rattling. Like there's different things in our business that, some of them have to get done. Do, do you have to be the one to do them? Maybe, maybe not, right? Uh, just like doing your taxes. Just Or if you are spending a lot of time on your website and you're not that good at it, hire somebody who's better, who's quicker, who's cheaper, or, or maybe just some so that you're not spending all of your time on it when it's not the thing that you do best. And let's even go a step further and say, let's take this out of even a business context because I'm sure that a lot of photographers that are watching are probably a pretty strong mom audience where they have, they have families. Yeah. So it's maybe cleaning the house for two hours a day or two hours a week or whatever it is, isn't necessarily beneficial to your business. And maybe you can outsource that to hire a, a cleaning service for 50, hundred dollars or whatever it is. Totally. Um, and so I think that it's kind of even taking a step out of that business realm, mm-hmm. looking at it from the perspective of what can you do to simplify your life to make it a little bit easier to run that business and still have time for family or, or the stuff that you value and want to spend time. Totally. I love, yeah, I'm a huge advocate of Amazon prime. Like think about how much time we waste going to the store and shopping. And when you can just be proactive and delete, like, okay, I'm going to choose the things I need to buy this for for this year uh, or sorry, this week for food or whatever it is. One of the things my, my family does, I give my wife credit for this. 
we're really good friends with, uh, there's six couples with, uh, we all have two to three kids each. Um, we, they do this meal swap. It's so freaking fun. Like, <laughs> so we, once, uh, I'm going to break up the, the math of it, but you'll get the idea is we will make a, a batch. We'll make one big thing of chili or food for six couples. And so, yeah, that takes us like an hour or two. And if it takes a little bit more time, surprisingly, you can scale a recipe by six that it actually doesn't cost a whole lot more money and it doesn't take that much more time. Then uh, we coordinate like handing it all off to everybody. But then the fun part comes is there's then two more weeks after that where we get two meals for that week in the fridge. And it's like, it's, it's like, the, it's like Christmas. It's so exciting where we're like, Oh, what, what's for dinner tonight? We don't have to do anything. We have to take it out of the fridge and warm it up. It's like, we get all that more extra time to spend with our kids, with our family and not stress about it. Now, we, we we're all six couples are saving a ton of money on groceries when you buy in bulk and a time, a ton of time and mental load of like planning and organizing. There's, there's different ways in our lives that we can be more efficient. Um, it's pretty fun. That's actually pretty awesome. That's the first time I've ever heard that. I guess the, the only caveat is you hope you don't get stuck with uh, one couple who's like a really bad cook and have to eat their stuff every week, every other week or whatever it is. But that's actually a pretty awesome concept. Uh, to we, just... There's one dude who he, he made it like he got uh, bored or he got busy making the chili or chopping the onions. <laughs> we, we don't ever let him down. He like the onions were like halved. <laughs> just that's dropped. awesome. <laughs> and yeah. it just makes for a good story to tell after. Yeah, exactly. doesn't it? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'll wrap up with one. I can't help but tell this one tip. Um, I, I like to get really dramatic about it because um, I don't. I, I try not to get overly animated, but I swear to you that this this one tool um, and way of using it has changed my career, that my productivity more than any other software tool. And I'm a huge software nerd. I'm into automations and all of this stuff. And if, I think a lot of us feel burned out on email. Managing our email can be a huge time suck also. So there's two different tools. I've used both and they love both. Try, you can try them both or just pick one that works and run for with it. It's called Loom or use, use loom.com or Soapbox. And let's see, I'm, I'm trying not to get too technical. But um, the, the trick here is that they are both, they're, they're video recording tools that make, that let you make really short, like five, 10 minute max. But most of them, I use most of them, I mean like five minutes long, where it records my face and it records my computer screen. Oh yeah. Right? And so there's a bunch of other tools I've been using for years. Remember my background was in training? I use tools like this for a decade now, but all of them required you to, required like a pretty nice computer because you would record and then you'd have to render and then you'd start editing and then you'd have to publish it, and then you'd have to upload it and share it, and all of this stuff. It, it was too long. Like if I would, I would make a video for my team or for a bunch of customers, but it didn't make sense. It took too much energy to do like a one-to-one -one video. Yeah. But with these new tools, you hit record. It records in the browser. You hit done. There's no editing. Some of them let you like trim you off the edit or whatever. Yeah. But I think if anybody's done any edit, I know you do video. Um, the thing people always forget in a video project is if you go into it with the, ex, with the um, acceptance that you're going to edit stuff out, that means you are doubling that one decision 
of I'm going to do edits in the middle of stuff, you are at minimum doubling the time that's going to take you because you have to listen to your whole video through and probably through a couple times, right? Whereas if you're doing a low, like just a, a low hassle video for a friend or for a customer or for a teammate, um, it doesn't have to be perfect, right? It can just, I'm just going to make this quick video. And if I make a mistake, I'll just start again. I'll just hit delete and I'll, and okay, that's going to take me another five minutes instead of it taking me 30 or 45. Okay. So that's the technical. It's important to note that there is no editing. Don't waste time editing. I always tell people that. Let's talk about the ways I use it and I ways I think you should. Um, replying to an email. So often customers will ask you, they'll send you an email with like a dozen, something feels like a dozen questions buried into one email. Yep. Um, and especially if you're giving them, they've got to like how to place an order somewhere or how to read, like if you're doing anything with an online tool, you're like taking screenshots, do this, then do this. And then we're like, it's, it, it can take you like easily a half hour to reply to one email. Yeah. And my favorite use case is I will just simp I'll open their email. I'll record their screen, my, the screen of my email with my mouse and I'll point at each question they have and say, Hey, okay, here about this one. I'll just say it out loud. We can speak. All of us can speak so much better than we can type. Yeah. And in literally five minutes, I'm replying to, um, to a, a customer, to a teammate or something like that. And what's really fun here is I believe it's a, it's a number one. Um, you can get, I was like, Oh, people are going to think I'm lazy. This is only taking me like five minutes. I think people, this is, it's a personal touch. Really? They go yeah. it's like the reverse. They go, Oh my God, that video is so awesome. How'd you do that? Thank you so much for taking the time to make a personal video just for me. It's like, all right, cool. It saves me time and you get yeah. value out of it. Basically. Yeah, exactly. It's really huge. Um, I get excited about it because, uh, we also talk about delegating and I think that's the last example I'll share is that if there's ever something in your business that you need to teach somebody, if you're nervous about teaching an editor how to edit with your style, if there's anything you do in your business on a computer, you can record it and you can delegate it. It might take a couple back and forths, but using tools like this, when I have an idea for a project now, I just hit record, I show my screen, go, this is what I want to look like, guys, here's do this, do this, do this, do this, let me know if you have questions. And it's done. We don't have to have a meeting. We don't have to waste. I don't have to interrupt their day. I, I like have the idea. I record it and I send it to them in an email. And so when they have time to look at it, they'll look at it. Um, and then back to assets. I said, oh, sorry, I said one more. Um, Soapbox. Yeah. The amazing thing guys is these videos are assets for your business. Yeah. If a make them one-to-one -to, -one to make people feel special. But if there's a part of your business, if there's a question, everybody asks you all the time, make a good video about it. And every time somebody asks you that question, all you do is send the can reply. Boom. Here's the answer. Watch this. Every time you hit send, it gives you 20 minutes back to your day. That's a perfect example of these tiny micro assets that can give you your time back. And that's what I think um, even not even me for video is I actually do that through like a senior magazine that yeah. any prospective client gets. And yeah. basically that's the exact same concept where you are creating an asset that you can send off that you're putting time in the front, but you save all the time on the back end. So right. yeah, I think it just is like going back to that assets. I love that kind of how you boil that down.
um, I'll, I'll send in, I'll, I'll, I'll do a bunch of links about different training and stuff I've got going on, but one that's a totally free training I did combines um, a couple things. Uh, we've got within sticky albums, one of our new templates lets people turn their PDF or if they have no pricing into a really cool online pricing guide. Um, because so, there, there's some things a PDF is good for, but if, if it's uh, too big, it doesn't look good on a mobile. It becomes outdated if it saves, somebody saves it in their e email um, where you can, I also tell people that if you, even if you've got a really nice PDF of your pricing, that's probably good to print out or to give to somebody once they've booked, where you can then continue the education, continue the conversation about prices, where it should, what, what a lot of people are using our online pricing guide template for is an introduction. People always ask because they don't know what else to ask for. It doesn't mean you need to give them everything. Give them just a teaser, a sample, an introduction to your packages and your pricing. And, and more than anything, I think it's an opportunity to educate people about products, about why your albums are different than Shutterflies, why your canvases are different and special. And what's, if you don't like frames and you can do metal or like, it's a, it's an opportunity to educate about products, not just go, my eight by tens are this, yeah. my, uh, my four by sixes are this. That's nobody cares about that. Um, and that, so that's one simple uh, trick. And now people are combining that new template with video. So they're going to, they take this course. I, I show you guys how to do it where you then you make your guide. Even if you want to use your PDF pricing, still fine. Go make a video of yourself. Introduce a we're recording your pricing guide, right? So when somebody asks for your pricing, you don't just reply with an email or and send a PDF anymore. Now you reply with an introductory video that you've, Rehearsed a little bit. It's a little bit better, but doesn't have to be perfect. It's a little just. It's like an opportunity for somebody to see you. you say, oh hey, thanks so much for your interest. Um, I get it. Pricing is tricky. Every photographer is a little different. I'm glad you reached out. I'm happy to help you figure this out. So one of the things that I like to do, or we pride ourselves on, is helping high school seniors create heirloom quality albums. And if you look here, and as you're talking, you scroll down the page as if you were in person with them, right? You go, let's take a look at our investments. Here's what I want you to notice is, this is one, you're gonna save a lot of money if you get a package. Don't worry about all the things that are in there, it's just popular things that everybody gets. Oh, you'll get a chance to see those later. We scroll down, here's an example of blah, blah, blah. Boom, 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 boom. Okay, you can do all of that in five minutes, right? Think about how much better of a first impression you're gonna make when somebody is just inquiring. A total stranger is like, hey, how much do you cost? And how much, how much time do we all fret over that question? I see in the Facebook forwards, uh, forums all the time, everybody's like, oh my God, well, I hate it when people ask this question. Uh, and then if you don't get back to them within minutes, they're on it, they're like disappear and they're gone. Another email in your inbox or sometimes they're just gone forever, yeah. Yeah, so now um, you can make this, this training will teach you how to make this really valuable asset for your business to make an amazing first impression and to educate potential clients, not just about you, but about the services and the products that you create. So this has been fun. I think that's a Dude, really good theme. That, uh, video, that video tip is killer. I'm actually thinking of ways I can incorporate video into my own business from kind of like that, that marketing and client relations aspect rather than- It's huge, man. Using it before, so that's awesome. Um, 
Well, thank you again for joining us. We're going to actually wrap up. Um, I'm going to give you a second to think about this, but we actually have been doing a question of the episode where you get to actually ask a question to whoever's watching down below and they get to answer it down in the comments section on YouTube or if they're over on the Senior Style Guide blog. Um, but first, where can people find you or Sticky Albums on online and maybe um, on Instagram and all that stuff? Yeah, I would say um, grab the link below to get our free training, that free video training. Um, we'll link it down in the description the box below. Um, and then after that, go check out stickyemail.com and we'll have a free resource for you there as well. Um, my question for you, um, let's, I think let's, let's do like an accountability thing. Like what is, what's, what's an asset you're going to create this week? That's awesome. Take a minute. Think about an asset that you're going to create big or small in your business or in your personal life. That's going to give you time back uh, for, for and just continue to do it week after week, month after month. Incredible. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nate, for joining us. That was a tremendous conversation. I think there's a lot of, uh, we talked a little bit about assets and value in this. I think there's a tremendous amount of value in this, in this little talk. So thank you for joining us and really appreciate you taking the time out. I, I hope that a lot of people really, kind of take to heart what you said, just because I think there's a lot of important concepts and basically just kind of frameworks of how to, how to have a mentality approaching your business and approach it in a different way. So thank you so much for taking the time out of your afternoon to join us. Sean, it was an honor. Thank you so much. Have a good rest of your day. Thanks. We'll see you guys on the next episode of Real Talk. That wraps it up for this episode of the Senior Style Guide Real Talk podcast. We are so excited that you guys are joining us and just want to say a heartfelt thank you. I know that there are so many podcasts out there that you guys have the option to listen to, and it really means the world that you're joining us and giving us a part of your day and really just joining in on part of the conversation and, and the community. In addition, make sure that you guys are joining us over on Facebook in the Senior Style Guide group over there, where photographers from all throughout the country contribute, give their input and their advice and their experiences to help other photographers learn and grow. We'd love for you to join us over there as well. So all you have to do is search Senior Style Guide on Facebook, ask to be added to the group, and we'll make sure that you guys get to be a part of the conversation over there. If you haven't had a chance to hit the subscribe button below, please take a second to do that really quick. What that does is it makes sure that you guys keep up to date on all of the content that we're putting out there. We have tons of Real Talk episodes coming to you guys throughout the year from leaders and other photographers that you would love to hear from. So we want to make sure that you do not miss a single episode of that. So go ahead and hit that subscribe button below. Thank you guys for joining us and we cannot wait to have you as part of the listening experience for future podcasts. Looking forward to seeing you guys on the next episode and we'll see you around.